السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمدا عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صلي وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another episode of our Tafsir page by page and inshallah ta'ala today we are on page number 40 which is the penultimate page of the second juz Surah Al-Baqarah in the previous episode Allah Azza wa Jal towards the end uh, when the final half of the previous episode we spoke about the story that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned of a people who tried to flee from the plague and death and so they fled from their town when plague, plague struck them and Allah Azza wa Jal decreed that they would die and then he brought them back to life as a sign of his power and his ability subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah Azza wa Jal therefore established within that story a principle and that is that there is no escape from death and that Allah Azza wa Jal whenever he decrees death and wherever he decrees it it will come and take that person's soul and there is no escape from it there is no escape from death in the way that Allah Azza wa Jal has decreed in the manner that he has prescribed subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah Azza wa Jal now in this uh, in this particular passage, which is a passage that spreads over two pages, and so we will take it is a single story that we will take half of it today or in this episode and half of it inshallah ta'ala in the next episode, and that is from verses two hundred and forty six onwards. Essentially, now this is the story of David and Goliath, in which those principles that we spoke about before of fighting for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal, spending for the sake of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, not fearing death because it is something which Allah Azza wa Jal has decreed, or being prepared for death rather because it is something which Allah Azza wa Jal has decreed and may strike at any time. These are all things that we will find within this particular story. In verse two hundred and forty-six, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan rajim أَلَمْ تَرَ إِلَى الْمَلَئِ مِنْ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مُوسَى إِذْ قَالُوا لِنَبِيٍّ لَهُمْ إِذْ قَالُوا لِنَبِيٍّ لَهُمْ بَعَثْ لَنَا مَلِكًا نُقَاتِلْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ He said, did you not see or consider when the leaders of the children of Israel who came after Musa alayhi salam, when they came and said to one of their prophets, Set for us a king and we shall fight in Allah Azza wa Jal's path or in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his cause. Allah Azza wa Jal mentions to us a story here and it will eventually become the story of David and Goliath. But it begins from the time before uh, Dawud alayhi salam or David comes into the picture. And that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying again, instructing us as he did, as we mentioned in the previous episode of those people who left in their thousands, their town and Allah azza wa jal decreed that they should die and then come back to life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins the story in the same way when he says, Alam tara, do you not see, do you not consider? Meaning that number one, this is a story that is real. It is authentic. It is truthful because Allah azza wa jal is the one who relays to us its account in the Quran. And number two, that there are many lessons and benefits that we can derive from it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do you not see the mala of Bani Israel? The mala are the nobility, the leaders, the people who were in charge of the affairs of the nation of Bani Israel. And Bani Israel, as we know, were a number of tribes, as we've mentioned before, altogether they make up a nation. That nation, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to them many prophets and messengers over the ages. 
A number of them we know by name because they are mentioned in the Quran. For example, Musa, for example, Dawood and Suleiman, for example, Zakaria and Yahya, and for example, Isa alayhi salatu wasalam. But there were a number of other prophets amongst Bani Israel whose names we do not know. And from those prophets is the one that is being mentioned at the outset of the story. These people are essentially being, the Bani Israel at this time, are being persecuted and tortured. And they're constantly engaged in war, but they're losing. Because the opposing army, their enemies, who are being led by the king Goliath, is uh, an army that is extremely strong. They're tyrannical people, these enemies of Ben Israel. And Goliath is known for his power, and is known for his military prowess and, and strategy, and is known for being someone who doesn't give any mercy or take, any, uh, take anyone in terms of captives, give them any mercy or quarter. And so he's someone who's oppressive. And he's constantly fighting Bani Israel and they are losing, they're becoming weakened and weakened. At the same time, Bani Israel amongst themselves have division and disunity because they can't agree upon a leader. And that is something which weakens the army, weakens the people who when they have an external enemy, their internal divisions, and you see this throughout history, anyone that's a student of history will know that many a great empire fell and collapsed because of the internal divisions as much as any external force or enemy. The external enemy, yes, is a problem, but the fact that they themselves can't agree or that when they have a leader, other people are trying to undermine that leader or other people are trying to get into positions of power instead of that leader, that is something which weakens internally the whole of that community and the whole of that nation or the army. This is something which Bani Israel is going through. So the leaders, the collective leaders, the elders of, and the nobility of Bani Israel see this is what's taking place. They see that they have an external enemy that is a formidable force and that's already wreaking havoc upon them and attacking them. But at the same time, they internally are so weak and divided that they can't really repel or defend themselves against that attack. So they say, why don't we go to the Prophet of Allah that is amongst us? Tell him to choose because he will choose based upon Allah's instruction, Allah's revelation. And we must all unite behind that person because he has been appointed by this Prophet of Allah alayhi salatu wasalam. Who is the Prophet of Allah? Again, Allah doesn't mention him explicitly in the Quran. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't mention certain prophets by name one of the reasons and wisdoms and Allah knows best is to show that there were many prophets and messengers of Allah as Allah mentions elsewhere in the Quran there are stories of prophets that we have mentioned to you stories of prophets who we've never mentioned to you and stories of prophets who are mentioned but their names are not mentioned in the Quran and this is an example of that and so Allah sent many, many prophets. We don't know all of their names. The name of this prophet isn't mentioned in the Quran, nor in an authentic narration of the Prophet However, you will find in the books of Tafsir different positions amongst the scholars of, um, of uh, Tafsir. Some of them said it is Joshua, Yusha, uh, and others said it was Samuel, and others said it was others. And Allah knows best. It is not important to the story. What is important to the story is that they came to this prophet and they said, Ib'ath lana malika, appoint for us a king. Nuqatil fi sabilillah, that we may unite behind his lead or under his leadership, his kingship, and fight for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's cause. We may fight in the way of Allah azza wa jal. The prophet that is amongst them knows their nature, knows their divisions and disunity. So he says to them, قَالَ هَلْ عَسَيْتُمْ إِنْ كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْقِتَالُ أَلَّا تُقَاتِلُوا He says, but, if, but could it be that you would not fight if it were ordained for you? Meaning that if I appoint someone as a king, maybe you're going to turn around and do the same thing that you've been doing all this time, disagree, disunite, not fight, oppose him, undermine him, and so on. 
it may well be that even if after I appoint a king, that you will still not fight. They replied, قَالُوا وَمَا لَنَا أَلَّا نُقَاتِلَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَقَدْ أُخْرِجْنَا مِنْ دِيَارِنَا وَأَبْنَائِنَا They said, how would we not fight in Allah's cause when we and our children have been driven out of our homeland? Meaning, why wouldn't we fight? We're being attacked, our women folk are being killed, our children are being slaughtered, we're being killed. Why wouldn't we fight if we had a leader that we could fight under? Allah says, فَلَمَّا كُتِبَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْقِتَالُ تَوَلَّوْا إِلَّا قَلِيلًا مِّنْهُمْ That Allah says that once that king was appointed, and they were then commanded to fight, as Allah will mention in more detail as the story goes on, but Allah subhanahu is summarizing from the outset and saying that this was the end result, that when that fighting, when they were commanded to fight, all but a few of them turned away. And this is because, as Allah mentioned in the previous episode that we mentioned, that verse or that story of those people who were fleeing from death, this was also their nature, that they disliked death, that they were people who coveted the dunya, that they were afraid of being resurrected and going and being held in judgment before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is something which weakens a community as an ummah. As the Prophet told us sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that there a time will come when you will be many in number, meaning the Muslims, but you will be like the froth of the ocean, meaning that you will go with the waves any which way they take you. You don't have any control despite your numbers and your quantity. They said, why, O Messenger of Allah? He said, you will become weak. What is that weakness? He said, حُبُّ الدُّنْيَا وَكَرَاهِيَةُ الْمَوْتِ It is love of this world and fear of death. And so when people only love the dunya, and they don't really think about the akhirah, they don't work for it, then they become inherently weak. And it is from the greatest traps of shaitan to beautify and make the dunya seem tempting to the believer so that they leave off or they are heedless and neglectful of the issues of the akhirah. These people likewise, despite what's taking place, when the actual time came to kill and to fight, they were people who turned away because of this very issue. And so their Prophet recognized this from the outset. He knew their nature. He knew what they were upon. He knew what they were like. And we see, as Allah Azza mentions in the Quran, that there are people, uh, as we've mentioned already before the tafsir of Surah Al-Baqarah, because Allah Azza mentions about Bani Israel, that they were people who, أَحْرَصَ النَّاسِ عَلَى حَيَاءَ They're the most eager, eager of people when it comes to maintaining their life, maintaining uh, their place upon this earth. And so Allah Azza knows their nature. And this Prophet knew their nature. They said, no, we will fight. But when Allah legislated that fighting upon them, then they turned away. And Allah says that He knows or has full knowledge of those who do wrong and those who are oppressive. From the lessons that we also take therefore from this, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His aid and His divine help and support only come when people take action by themselves. Meaning that you must take the means and trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah doesn't always give you miracles. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't always send an army of angels. Even, for example, in the Battle of Badr, where the Prophet was fighting Quraysh, and the army of angels did come and were sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it was because the, the Muslims were there themselves willing to fight and sacrifice their lives and fight in the path of Allah Azza wa If you take the steps and trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah sends you His divine aid. But this thing that oh, we're believers, we can just set a home, you know, we don't really need to do anything. Allah will give help, Allah will bless, Allah will, will bring people to His religion, Allah will give da'wah. Allah. No, this isn't how it works. You must put in effort, you must spend from your money, you must give up your time, you must seek knowledge, you must learn, you must call others to the path of Allah Azza wa Jal, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses your efforts and gives you His divine aid and help. 
those people, they wanted the help, they wanted the king, they wanted their prophet, but they didn't actually want to do anything themselves. They wanted all of these things to do everything for them. As as we as as Allah Azza wa Jalla will mention in the forthcoming story in the story of Musa Alayhi when he wanted to enter into the promised land with Bani Israel, but there were people that they had to fight in order to expel them from the land. What did Bani Israel say? You and your God go and fight them. That's your job, not our job. And so Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying no. In order for Allah's victory and success to come, you must be people of action and you must be people who are willing to sacrifice as well. In verse 247, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then continues with the story and says, وَقَالَ لَهُمْ نَبِيُّهُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ قَدَ بَعَثَ لَكُمْ طَالُوتَ مَلِكًا So the Prophet agreed to appoint for them a king and he said, Indeed Allah, because this is revelation, the Prophets only do things with instruction from Allah Azza wa Jal. He, says, he said to them, Indeed Allah has now appointed Talut to you as your king. Talut is your king. This man Talut was from Bani Israel, but it is said that he was just a, a, a an ordinary soldier, just someone amongst the people of the army. He wasn't from the leaders of Bani Israel, not from their generals, not from the nobility, not from their elders. And usually they would appoint their leaders or, their, or the king would be appointed from one of the leading tribes and from the elders and the nobility of those leading tribes. And those are the people that they would appoint as a king. But the Prophet of Allah said to them, no, Allah Azza wa Jalla has chosen this man Talut, he will be your king. Because of his righteousness, because of his fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because of his strength and his knowledge, this is the reason why Allah Azza wa Jalla has appointed him as your king. What did they say? They said, how can he be king over us when we have a greater right to rule than him? He does not even have a great deal of wealth. Meaning that this man, who is he? We have more right by way, by, by virtue of our lineage, by virtue of our tribe, by virtue of our nobility. We have more right to rule than him. And he doesn't even have any money. It's not like you appointed him because he's wealthy and he's rich. And so therefore he's going, we're going to benefit in one way or another. Who is this man? And as we know, as Allah Azza wa mentions in numerous places now in the Quran, we've mentioned a number of them already in Surah Al-Baqarah, that one of the things that Allah Azza wa warns against is disputing revelation. Disputing commands and instructions from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not submitting to Allah Azza wa Jal fully and immediately. We've seen that example in the story that we mentioned in Surah Al Baqarah of Musa alayhi salam and the people of the cow, how they were willing to submit and how they were people who argumentative, constantly questioning and debating and, and wanting wanting clarity and so on and so forth. And likewise here. Allah Azza wa Jal told them, You want victory, this is the man to lead you to your victory. Rather than saying that we requested this from the Prophet, that ask Allah who should be our king, we should accept this because of everything that's going on, we should accept this because of the internal division and disunity we have, they now start to dispute instead. This man doesn't deserve to be our king, he's not fitting, he's not able, doesn't have the lineage, doesn't have the pedigree, doesn't have the wealth, doesn't have the money, and so on. So the Prophet of Allah replied to them and he said, قَالَ إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَاهُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَزَادَهُ بَسْطَةً فِي الْعِلْمِ وَالْجِسْمِ Indeed, Allah has chosen him over you and has given him great knowledge and stature. Meaning Allah doesn't look at your lineage. When Allah chooses, he doesn't look at nobility or wealth or lineage or any of these issues. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is looking for is these two things. Number one is knowledge. This man is a man of knowledge, knows what is pleasing to Allah, knows the commands of Allah Allah has given him wisdom in the way that he's going to rule and be a king. Well, Jism and Allah has given him physical stature and strength, meaning he has the power to lead and the strength to lead. And these two 
characteristics and attributes, as the scholars of Tafsir mentioned, are two of the most important things when it comes to a leader. If you have a leader who is extremely intelligent, but doesn't have much physical power or isn't willing to go and lead from the front and so on, then people will appreciate his intelligence, but he will be considered to be weak. Considered to be someone who doesn't really lead from the front, always at the back, always hiding. And if you have a leader who is who is strong in stature, always at the front, but a man of no knowledge, then that person will rule with ignorance. They will likely oppress and be someone who does a lot of wrong and not realize of the wrong that they are doing. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this man, he combines these two important elements. Allah azza wa is giving them a man of knowledge and action. A man of knowledge that Allah Azza wa has given to him knowledge of his sharia at that time and at the same time he's a man that will lead them from the front and lead them towards the victory that Allah Azza wa will give to them if they obey him. Wallahu yu'ti mulkahu man yasha. Wallahu wasi'un alim. Allah Azza wa says and indeed Allah grants his authority, his kingdom to whomsoever he pleases. Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is magnanimous, all-knowing. Allah Azza wa chooses where to give kingship, where to give prophethood, where to give nobility. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who chooses this. They are not the ones who choose. This is like when the Quraysh came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and they said, surely if Allah was going to appoint a prophet, he would have chosen one of the leaders, one of the elite of Quraysh or the Arabs. Why did he choose Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam? What right do they have to appoint the Prophet of Allah? Who are they to say who to whom belongs prophethood or who is more worthy of prophethood and kingship? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying this here. Allah doesn't look at the standards that you have. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at that which he pleases subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah says that indeed we gave to him, Allah gives authority, kingdom to whomsoever he pleases. So Allah gave this man, Talut, the right to be king. His prophet at that time, the prophet of Allah appointed him as king. Those people refused to accept because they were looking at the dunya. And that is why it is important when it comes to these issues of responsibility in the community, leadership in the community, not even at the level of the Khalifa. I'm just talking even in our local communities when we choose the people that are going to lead us and that are going to represent us. These are the things that you should look at. People of strength and not just physical strength, but inner strength. So they have confidence. They're not people who are constantly shy and embarrassed of being Muslims, for example, or speaking about the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They have the confidence and they're proud of who they are and they're confident to mention it to others. And they are people of knowledge. So when they speak, they know what the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says rather than speaking them from their own desires or being pressured into something that may not be from the religion of Allah azza wa jal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says in the final verse that we will take today, verse 248, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, وَقَالَ لَهُمْ نَبِيُّهُمْ إِنَّ آيَةَ مُلْكِهِ أَنْ يَأْتِيَكُمُ التَّابُوتُ فِيهِ سَكِينَةٌ مِّنْ رَبِّكُمْ فِيهِ سَكِينَةٌ مِّنْ رَبِّكُمْ وَبَقِيَّةٌ مِّمَّا تَرَكَ آلُ مُوسَى وَآلُ هَارُونَ تَحْمِلُهُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَةً لَكُمْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ The Prophet said to them, the sign of his authority will be that the ark of the covenant or the tabut this chest will be given to him. In it there will come the tranquility from your Lord and relics of the followers of Musa and Harun carried by the angels. Indeed, in this there is a sign for you if you believe. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the Prophet, who they're having this 
discussion and this argument with that we don't want Talut to be our leader, we don't want him to be our king. How did their prophet get them to agree? How did he get them to accept him as their king and their leader? He said that Allah Azza wa Jalla appointed him. And Allah Azza wa will give you a sign that he is appointed from him. And that is that he will be given the tabut. What is the tabut? The scholars of, uh, scholars of tafsir differ over this. And that is because the Quran nor the Sunnah explicitly mention what the tabut is. The translation that I have here is that it is the Ark of the Covenant. And Allah Azza wa knows best. Many of the scholars of tafsir say that it is a chest that was given a tabut, is a, a chest or some type of a uh, uh, some type of a, of, a, of a inscription that is given, some type of a tablet that is given. That is what is being referred to. But Allah Azza wa describes it as being something which has tranquility in it from your Lord. Meaning that those people who possessed it at the time it is said in the books of Tafsir that this is something which was uh, inherited by every nation of uh, any every generation of Bani Israel. It would go from one generation to the next, from one leader to the next, from one king to the next. And it is something which would give them tranquility because they knew that it came from their prophets and ultimately something which Allah Azza wa gave to them. And so he gave them confidence, he gave them strength. It is something which they would see as a sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And within it were the baqiyah, the relics and the remnants of Musa and Harun alayhim salam. It is said, according to some of the scholars of Tafsir, that the remnants refers to parts of the tablets of the Torah, parts of the tablet of the Torah. Another said, no, it is remnants of things that were owned and possessed by these two prophets of Allah, Musa and Harun alayhim salam. And that is because the Bani Israel were people who exalted the status or, or people who revered rather the status of these two prophets of Allah, Musa and Harun alayhim salatu wassalam. Tahmiruhul malaika, it will be brought back to you, carried by the angels. It is said that this tabut had been lost for a long time, had been something which they had misplaced and lost for generations, and that is why Goliath and others had come, and they had caused so many problems amongst Bani Israel. Allah Azawajal is saying that this man will lead you talut, and from the signs is that Allah Azawajal will return by his by the hands of the angels or at the hands of the angels the tabut that you will see as a sign. You will see within it the tranquility that you get from your Lord. Within it, you will see. The signs that come from, or the relics that come, and the remnants that come from these two prophets of Allah, Musa and Harun, the two brothers, alayhim as-salatu was-salam, inna fi dhalika la-ayatan lakum, in kuntum mu'mineen, indeed there is a sign in this for those who believe. And so Allah Azza wa Jal, this is where we end in today's episode, and this is half of the story. In the next episode, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will mention how they continued under the leadership of their king, and then what happens when the two armies face one another, and that is where we find the mention of the Prophet of Allah Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam, who is a soldier within the army of Talut. So the Prophet of Allah is there, he appoints Talut as the king. Within the army of this is Dawood alayhi salam, who would later himself become, as we know, a king and a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the enemy is Goliath, or in Arabic, as mentioned in the Quran, his name is Jalut. And inshallah ta'ala, we will conclude this story in the next episode. بارك الله فيكم وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم